Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Beyond Sleep Training Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing real tales of how people have managed sleep in their family outside of sleep training culture because sleep looks different with a baby in the house. And because every family is different, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to take. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, the Kalkadoon people. I pay my respects to the elders of this nation and the many other nations our guests reside in from the past, present and emerging. We honour Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and the unique cultural and spiritual relationships to the land, water and seas, as well as their rich contributions to society, including the birthing and nurturing of children. And welcome back to the Beyond Sleep Training podcast. I'm your host, Carly Grubb, and I have my wonderful guest, Pinky McKay, with me again this for this episode. Pinky started out in our previous episode talking about life with her first three babies uh, and this episode's going to take us further into her journey beyond sleep training. If you haven't already listened to the previous episode, I'd highly recommend you listen to that one first so that this episode makes more sense for you. Now, to when we finished up in our last episode, we were just talking about with your third baby, you moved back to Australia and after having had a brilliant experience with La Leche League in New Zealand, it wasn't quite the same uh, experience in Australia as with the Nursing Mothers Association at the time. And so you and a friend had launched your own La Leche League down in Melbourne. Um, and you sound like you'd attracted quite a little community. Uh, did that fill the gap that you were looking for with your third baby? Look, it certainly helped to have, you know, those beautiful women around who, and, and it was a real affirmation that these women had come from, you know, yes, there were local women, but there were also women who'd come from other countries who were nurturing this way, which was a real affirmation. And, 
lovely um yeah just lovely and it's been beautiful watching their kids grow up you know our our children now have children and it's been beautiful to watch them nurture in a similar way it's just you know because I feel so much has been imprinting from how we were nurtured that um informs our own parenting and of course parents have different there will be differences but it and and I think the thing was too that we were all much more accepting of each other you know if we had friends who were formula feeding we didn't say well what the hell's going on or anything like that there was no real judgment I don't think I mean maybe there was but it wasn't something that I, I feel that there's an awful lot of judgment an awful lot of um yeah advice that's given out perhaps on social media it's such a double-edged sword isn't it that you can find your people, but you can also be criticised. I was just looking yesterday at um, Laura, the comedian who had put up a beautiful photo of her tandem nursing her toddler. I don't know whether her child's three or four or whatever. And her no, newborn. he's not even two. He's not even two. This is Laura oh. Cleary for the audience listening along. She's just doing brilliantly. She's got yes. a just. A, he's just. I think maybe he's just turned two, but he's only a two-year-old. There's a little, little baby, little, little tiny baby. guy. Yes. The people were carrying on about this big child and the, the rubbish that they were throwing at this mother because she With a was a brand new baby. A brand new baby in a really vulnerable state. And she's gutsy enough to put herself out there. And then all these ridiculous comments. And, you know, people seem to feel they can be, you know, the keyboard warriors. They've got much more permission to say things to people. But, Yes, I had people saying strange things to me that I was breastfeeding um, toddlers and my third daughter and my fourth daughter tandem nursed. So I didn't find that easy, I've got to say, um, in the beginning. Probably the first two to three months was pretty hard because my um, three-year-old would want to... She actually got quite sick when I was in hospital having my baby because she drank some dairy and she puffed up her eyes and got wheezy, the whole works of it. So, you know, but she would want to breastfeed when the baby breastfed and then she'd want one by herself after the baby had finished all by myself. So, you know, and she was a very articulate child and I think people were absolutely shocked that I was breastfeeding both children. It was just the same sort of rubbish, but it was only coming from, you know, people around the odd person I mean you're generally breastfeeding both children at home you're not generally breastfeeding them out but I do remember having taken my um three-year-old to um roller skating my little kids roller skated very early and I had the baby and my toddler was really tired by the time she'd finished and we were in a you know one of the neighbors was taking her child too who was she was a four-year-old but mine was three and um my three-year-old we was sitting in the back seat of the car and she wanted a breastfeed and I tried to say to her can you wait we're nearly home and she wasn't having it and this neighbor was utterly shocked and disgusted you know and I thought how the hell can I go with her to roll us you know it was just awful what she was saying to me and I thought you know this is people don't have a right to behave like that so there was judgment, but it generally, if you found your people, they were, you know, you were lucky to have those people. But you kind of cocoon yourself away you from all of the other rubbish. To a certain extent, yes. Whereas I don't think you can on 
the internet. So you have to be gutsy if you're going to put something out there like because you can get support but you can also get rubbish. And I think as women, we are conditioned to, you know, when you think about cave women, if they were kicked out of the tribe because they were ostracised by the other women, they and their children may not survive. So it was life or death. Whereas I think somehow that's still in our DNA that it really hurts us when people criticise us. I think it too, it just goes straight to your core of feeling misunderstood because we all do things with, you know, we've got our full story behind us that explains how things are, why we're doing things the way we do them. And to have someone come in with such criticism on top, it can be crushing, especially if you're in a vulnerable state. So yeah, I I agree with that. Parenting about your nurturing because being a mother is such a big part of your identity. Yep, it goes straight to the core. That's the thing, isn't it? Even even if you have quite uh, strength about you, even if it's only momentary doubt, I don't think there's many of us out there who haven't had a chink in our armor when someone's had something to say about how we're nurturing our children, Um, because it it is important, and that's why it hurts, is because you care you certainly get end up with a better filter hopefully as your confidence grows but yeah I think a lot of the time when you see those those kind of pile-on effects it it has an impact and um Mm. it's certainly I I feel for Laura because as much as I know she's a very strong woman and she's very courageous um publicly sharing what she shares on such a big platform like when with her her audience because she's a comedian her audience is so diverse Um, she really everything she posts people have strong opinions about but I just picture her as you know postpartum mum brand new baby oh even the strongest person and and also when you're tantamising I think you're more I don't know everything was just more I felt more open more vulnerable more she's literally out there her chest is out there because this is what happened. She's so open and vulnerable. And yeah, I really felt for her. So I was really pleased to see that there's been quite a big rally of support for her because there should be. Um, but mm. oof, I don't think we should underestimate the impact that the negative comments would have also still had on her, even as a very strong person. So well, I think it, it's, a, yeah. it's a good note to check yourself because it's that kind of, you know, it, it's not that, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Like you could say that, but it's also just that how would you feel if it was you in her shoes yeah. copying that kind of onslaught and people checking themselves in that that way I think would be helpful Ooh. online full stop. Yeah. Because some people not say, everything oh, I hadn't to thought say. of that, you know, that, uh, you know, maybe that wasn't for me or whatever, I don't know. But then when they really become brutal oh. to women, that's just not fair. It's you know, still women, like even though she's out there and she's a comedian and she's put herself out there, nobody deserves, she's still a human being. She's still yep. a mother. She's still a yep. mother of a newborn. So her hormones, you know, those protective hormones for her babies are really strong at this stage. Yep. And bullying and abuse, whether a person's famous or not, isn't acceptable. So I think okay. that's kind of where it gets to. It's like just because you have a public space doesn't mean that you people have free reign over whatever they want to say about you. Um, no. So I know that you know that as well, working in the public sphere. It's very much um, once you've put yourself out there, people do feel like you should be ready to take it all. And yeah. Um, yeah. I, I 
I think to an extent you do, you brace yourself for it. Like you say, put your big girl panties on, but um, it also. If I was a new mother, it would, you know, a lot of the things would really hurt. Whereas, you know, I'm an older woman. I've been around. I know people don't necessarily agree with me and I really don't mind. They can go somewhere else. You know, if they don't want to follow me, go away and find your Find the support that you want somewhere else. Yeah, and I think think, it's that. Yeah, and you go through waves of, I know for me, having had the three babies while I've been, well, I I wasn't talking publicly until after the second baby, but I know I've definitely had waves where I've had to bow out of speaking publicly about certain things because, I wasn't okay to handle the backlash that I knew would come my way. So I go quiet Mm. for a while and it's self-protection. But, yeah, for Laura, hopefully she really is getting the support she needs in person to be able to handle the kind of onslaught she's copying Well, she's in the UK, isn't she? She is, yeah. But there's been lockdown. You know, she may not have that person-to-person contact, which, (sighs) again, for, for the last year we've had a whole year of women not having in-person support which is just devastating my own daughter my fourth daughter she had her first baby in Dubai and he's nearly one he's going to be one in a couple of weeks and they're still in Dubai and you know they haven't been able to get back but again they've sort of stepped back because her husband he's a pilot and he's still got a job so they have stayed you know they've stepped back because there are other people who need to come home sooner we have our quotas here of who's allowed in the country and who's not but you know again it's a very vulnerable time when you've had a newborn and they were in lockdown fifty thousand dollar fines if they went out of their house so she had a c-section she was having breastfeeding struggles um yeah and Skype was illegal there at the time she had him so they brought in Zoom so eventually we could do Zoom it was really difficult for her but you know she's enjoying her baby she's a beautiful mum she's very chilled and I love seeing the fact that you know he's he's putting his face in his food bowl or he's playing with the hose outside you know all the normal things that my kids would have done you know like she's relaxed into that mothering thing and she said to me I don't know why people would do controlled crying it's so, it would be so hard. You know, like she, it's not in her experience. So she wouldn't even consider it. But um, yeah, and I don't even think she's been pressured to because she's probably to some extent isolated, but she's got a beautiful neighbour that's got kids. And um, the neighbour has a Filipino nanny who slept with all her babies and breastfed them. To, you know, she was telling me, oh, you would love her, Lisa, because she breastfed all her kids till they were, you know, three or four. So I told her you did too. And I went, oh, that's, you know, just to have an occasional voice that says you can do something or you can take your kids into bed or whatever, um, it's just lovely to have those people with those voices, those sort of things. So, yes, yeah, so I tandem nursed those two and then eight years later I had my um, bonus baby and one of my daughters was there for the birth, my 11-year-old, where she'd say to me, Mommy, he's got brown hair. Because she was standing down at the midwife's shoulder <laughs> when, when um, I had this baby. So, yeah. And for her to have this beautiful water birth and then my other daughter having a C-section because of the position of her baby, you know, he was transverse. Uh, you know, very different experiences. And, and it's really about appreciating that every woman may have different experiences and they may affect her in different ways too. Absolutely. The experience, the support around you and the way things, the ability to process what's happened 
Ooh. it all has a huge impact on the outcome really for for the the parent like which whichever way it goes whether it was planned or unplanned um, yeah. whether it becomes something that was traumatic because yeah. with my third pregnancy I bled right up to seven months with my third baby but again I was in New Zealand I had these beautiful friends who would pop around and you know might bring me kids but one friend even you know came around cleaned my house because I was you know resting because I was bleeding again and I actually had a low-lying placenta and she cleaned my whole house including my toilet you know and <sighs> stuff like that or someone will bring you a meal, you know, meal whereas um with my fourth baby I didn't actually have any support and I started bleeding at five months with her and um again this lovely friend who started the little actually group with me asked her church ladies and she brought round meals and filled my freezer, which, you know, just those gestures, you never forget. I think they mean know, the world you to you, don't another they? Mother, you know, if you can help another mother just with a meal or taking her toddler out so she's got time with the baby, anything that you can manage small, you know, or if someone helps you, don't feel beholden when you ask for help because you can pay it back down the track or you might not pay it back to that mother, but you might you know, pay, pay it forward. forward to another mother. So I think that's really important. Yeah, so when I had baby number five, I had these teenagers. It was a completely different experience. And I had to pretend that I was still, I'd say, oh, no, he hasn't finished yet when I was feeding him because the kids would take him. Off they'd go. <laughs> you want to cut your baby. baby. <laughs> yeah, take my baby. And it was interesting watching him bond with, you know, because babies are supposed to bond with, the primary caregiver but he would he just bonded with all of these kids in different ways they were part of his village so again it's it's a different you know you have that concept that they're going to bond with mum and everybody else is secondary but no and then when he got a bit bigger you know like closer to a year old if they went out the door he would cry like he was going to miss he had separation anxiety for his older siblings where I'd be chopped liver because I was just the lady at home with the boobs. I was so, going to say, you're the boob lady, of course. I was the boob lady. I was just food. <laughs> so, I don't know. so it's like the, a true allo parenting kind of yeah. experience, but actually with siblings because mm. of the age range. Yeah. That's, well, it's very special when you hear of like allo parenting experiences like that, where you can see how that could work to everyone's favour. It's yeah. obviously not how it works out for everybody, but yeah, there's certainly a very strong um, benefits to all involved, really, if you have that kind of yeah. arrangement going on. So <laughs> tell me, with all of your babies, would you did you have anywhere you would say you had actual sleep struggles? So obviously, you were co-sleeping, breastfeeding from the start. Was there any? Oh hell yes! <laughs> hell yes! Tell us about it. Tell us about my, it. Look, my earliest, ba- my second baby, my first baby was still waking up when I had the second one. So I had said to my husband, look, when he, you know, he was a two-year-old and and I said to my husband, look, if I'm feeding the baby, can you, you know, you you look after the other child? Well, my husband slept like a big fat log and I remember kicking him, kicking him, kneeing him in the back, you know, and I'm feeding the baby and he said, um, and he's going, so I said, bugger it. So I brought both kids into bed with us. At that point, I just thought, look, just you both have to be in my bed because I can't manage any other way. And um, yeah, so I can't remember 
remember which baby it was. I think it was one of the babies. You know, it took my husband a while because in the beginning it was very much, you know, this is our marital bed and we shouldn't have children in the bed, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, okay, you, if, you, if you don't want a kid in the bed, you better sleep in the spare room because I can't manage or otherwise you get up at night, which he didn't. So, you know, it all worked out. He got educated. And he didn't really care. And then it got to one of the babies. I was in labour and they brought in a cot into the delivery room and he said to the midwife, she's not going to let you put the baby in there. <laughs> he knew you well by then. Yeah, so with my second baby at eight weeks, that big fat baby who had cluster feed all night, he actually started sleeping an eight-hour block. And I just, because I had felt so... With that first baby, I had gone to my local GP and I went to play group with his wife and I said to him, it was one of my antenatal checkups, and I said to him, look, this kid is still waking up all night. Can you give me something to help him sleep? Because mothers were dosing their kids with Finergan back then. And he just looked at me and said, look, if it's any consolation, none of our kids slept before that, you know, slept through the night, you know, a decent chunk until they were over two. And I thought, oh, buggy you, you can't even help me. And I walked out of there because I was tired. I still had this toddler breastfeeding and I was pregnant, you know, and I, and he was quite a wakeful child. And um, I walked out of there thinking, why doesn't he, you know, where's the help? And then I went, it was like I had this revelation that, but he's a doctor, he's God, and he can't make his kids sleep. So it's not all my fault. So, you know, it just sometimes it's, it doesn't matter. You don't have to give that person a solution, you actually need to normalise what's going on for them. I mean, yep, now we only know. Only that happened more often for more people. <laughs> That's not yes. usually what happens. So yeah. it's, once again, how lucky are you? It seems to me like a lot of these crucial points, you seem to. A lot of crucial points. Hit the I was right actually person. Right. Yeah, I hit the right person. Yeah, it was really mm. lucky. So, you know, and his. GP clinic there were toys everywhere all over the floor it was hilarious you know you'd walk in and step over the toys and um yeah so it was quite a true family clinic a true family clinic yes and so with sleep issues yeah so the second child was great until about six months old I thought yay you know it's not my fault I've got a child who sleeps eight hours at eight weeks by six months old that child slept eight hours in any 24 <laughs> that was it. really changed it up <laughs> so he went to bed at like six o'clock at night he was up from midnight ready for the day and it was just I was a bloody zombie because I already had this other child who was you know two and a half and full on and yeah but he was still having daytime naps my two and a half year old where the other child there was no naps about it full on every moment he was awake and yeah, so no, I've had my fair share. I don't think any of them were really what you'd call great slippers, but I think the earliest to sleep a decent chunk was eight weeks and the longest was about four and a bit years before. And that um, was pretty much the same kid. <laughs> he did both. It was the same kid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite fascinating. And so so just because I'm just looking at time, we're getting close to yeah. the end of this one, but I realised we haven't really talked about day sleep. How did you handle day sleeps in your house? Well, actually, for quite a while with the older ones, I would have an afternoon quiet time. And like I say, my second one didn't have any day sleeps. Um, you know, and I would tuck myself into into bed with, the, you know, his brother, I would sit with him, read him a story and he'd have a nap. So I could, you know, I always stayed with them as they were falling asleep. 
and I would tuck into bed, I would black out the curtains, I would put him on the boob and he would snuggle down and have that boob and then pop his little head up. Like, <laughs> and I, I was going to breastfeed him to sleep and he just didn't. So, you know, and they all breastfed to sleep until my, my third child wouldn't breastfeed to sleep. Like she did it initially, you know, but by about 10 to 12 weeks, this child didn't, she, well, even younger, I would put her in a carrier and rock her to sleep, but she didn't breastfeed to sleep. And I think by the time I got to the third child and I'd had two big fat boys, I think my milk supply and capacity was more than she needed. She wasn't, I actually had a health nurse write in her book, Poor Weight Gain, and she looked at me and told me, you know, her brain won't grow. Oh, and I tell you, that was yeah. my third child, you know, because I just went, okay, what would I do if I was on a desert island with no clocks and no scales? Mm. I would just go desert island theory and feed her when she wanted to be fed. But she would come off the breast, put her thumb in her mouth. And I remember a friend thought that she was, you know, self-mothering because I was so busy with my third child. So this Didn't child was self-mothering. Yeah, she was self-mothering by putting her thumb in her mouth. But, I mean, she was in my arms. She would come off the breast and put her thumb in her mouth and suck for comfort. But by the time she started crawling, she stopped sucking her thumb anyway because both hands were busy. It didn't matter. But, no, and one day I was rocking her because with two big boys running around, you know, you've, I've got similar um, family ages as you have with your first three, haven't I? And, yeah, you do. You know, you've got two big brothers revving around. There's a lot of noise around the place and you're trying to get this baby settled so she can have a nap because you know she's tired and she's getting grisly. Um, and so I was rocking her and cuddling her and carrying her and um, she was just restless. She didn't want a boob. I was offering her the boob, all those things that would have put a, my other children to sleep. And I needed to go to the toilet. So I popped her down in the bassinet, which she only ever slept in in the daytime, and went to the toilet and came back. And she was lying there looking at her hands. But as soon as I put her in that bassinet, it was like her whole tense little body relaxed, like, thank goodness that woman and her breasts have got out of my face. <laughs> I'm good here. Well, yeah. Oh, oh. She's leaving me alone. And when I came back, she was watching her hands. And I thought, oh, just see what she does. And she just talked to her hands and fell asleep. So I had one self-settler out of five. And it just takes a bit of experimenting. Isn't that the thing though? Hey, like it's okay to try stuff. Like, you know, people yes. sometimes get a, a, a feel like they shouldn't do certain things. It's like, no, 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 it's okay. Like if babies restless, pop them down yeah. and, you know, they'll quickly let you know if this is not working for them. You can trust that they'll communicate that to you. And yes. you might just find that this is, what your little person does certainly yes. not my ones but I've I've seen babies who do that too so yeah I, I would definitely and about four months you know often babies will you know three to four months once they've got through that first trimester often just giving them the opportunity and they will go to sleep it's just you know it's quite gobsmacking for mums who've always nursed them to sleep always cuddled them to you know rocked or cuddled or fed or worn these babies down and then when they give them the opportunity and there's been no training, no forcing, no pressure, and these kids will lie there and go to sleep. And maybe not every time, but sometimes they will. That's right. And it's sort of, I guess it's that thing, isn't it? It's that trust and confidence that you can adjust 
what you're doing at any time to suit you and your baby Mm. really so it's not and and baby once again like I know with my three they've all been very quick to let me know when something's not working for them and you can always scoop them straight back up and put them on the boob if that is actually what they end up needing but yeah yeah there you go so that was third baby and then fourth baby how did you handle naps with her well, I had um, two of them. So I often used to just sit up on the double bed and read a story to the, the three-year-old while I breastfed the baby and we'd all lie down and have a nap together. Three-year-old didn't necessarily have a nap, but she could, you know, at least I was resting. I wasn't really having a nap because I had older children too, you know, and they'd come home from school or whatever they were doing. But, you know, and I, I was actually homeschooling through some of that period too. So I homeschooled for about 10 years. So there were there were lots of kids around. Um yeah, so I just um, would lie on the big bed and breastfeed someone to sleep and we'd all have a nap together um, and that was what I did or they would have, the baby would have a nap while I read stories to the other one or sometimes we'd draw pictures, you know, like the big um, drawing pads from the $2 shop and some crayons because crayons don't stain like textures and might draw some pictures with the older child. But once your baby got to distracting age, yeah, sometimes you did that and then when I minded my grandchildren, I couldn't get them to have an afternoon nap. I had a toddler, two toddlers and they were both supposed to have afternoon naps. Well, they did for their mothers. Um, yeah. And I remember one day hopping into bed with them in the middle and, you know, one's on one side and she's I'm holding her bottle and the other one's there and I'm, you know, reading the stories or something. And all of a sudden one will pop up to the other and go, boom. <laughs> I just said, this isn't working. I will take them out in the car. So I took them to a local nursery where they, I had to buy them a pot, put a pot plant on the trolley for them because they were picking heads off it. And um, then when we got back in the car, I thought, oh, they've had a little outing. They'll probably fall asleep in the car. So there's two car seats in the back of my car. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh. And I'd look in the mirror and someone would be almost dozing off. And the other one would go, oh, you know, Rosie, no, they talk to each other and you just go, this isn't going to work. And I felt really guilty that I'd got these kids for the day. I was minding them every day because my daughter was tutoring at uni. My daughter-in-law was studying and, you know, it worked that they were both at my daughter's place, that we had both these kids and they just didn't have an afternoon nap. And I said to the girls, I'm really sorry. They haven't had a nap, you know, the one that was going home in the car. I said, you know, she's probably going to fall asleep in the car at four o'clock. And they said, don't worry about it, Mum. You know, it's okay. It's only one day. But I was thinking, what if I've messed it up for them? Mm. But I couldn't, you know, couldn't get these two little tigers to go to sleep. Whereas when they were younger, you know, Rosie was about eight months and I'd pop her in a cot she put her arms up to me and I'd just rock her and sing to her. Griffy would sit on the floor and wait because he was, you know, a two-year-old. And then I'd just put her down and she'd sleep. So, um yeah, and with my own, I would either cuddle them to sleep, rock them to sleep, feed them to sleep, whatever, until um, yep. they were ripe old ages. And then they just gradually, you know, they cut from two sleeps down to one, so it would only be one sleep. Um, and as long as they had a cuddle and a little story, they, they were okay and they were calm. And I guess they hadn't been left to cry, so it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't an issue for them. Not a fearful and, experience. No, and... I remember thinking when it was, it was about four, she was in her own bed and um, in her own room and I was um, in bed reading and she, she'd been asleep for a few hours and she got up and padded out to the toilet. The house was dark except for my little bedside lap, padded back to her bed. And I went, I'd, and I'd just been reading something about children being scared of the dark and I thought, 
she's not scared of the dark. And then I thought, well, she hadn't had a reason to be scared of the dark. Not saying that other children aren't scared. You know, children still go through that stage. Even when they've been nurtured, you can still have children that get scared of the dark. But she just wasn't. And I thought, well, she hasn't had any fear during it's not the dark. Yeah, it's never been triggered that way for her. That's fantastic. It's it's so nice to hear too, especially I think because you've got the grandbabies as well, so you kind of hear like the the full circle story of like the nurturing right through, and then how it looks when they become nurturers themselves as well. Which I think it's like for people who are deep in the trenches, and even reminding people that you know things like naps, it's actually like a short period in your child's life where that's even a thing that they need yeah. naps. So. Yeah. All the work you put into getting your child those day naps and whatnot, that's not the work you're going to be doing forever with them because it does. It just it decreases down to nothing. They don't always need that from you. They gradually don't need a nap. I mean, some days they'll have a a catch-up nap and then they mightn't have one for a few days, but if they're really tired and you can see that and you just have cuddle on a story, they generally fall asleep. It doesn't have to be a big you know, a big worry about it. And if they if they get to dropping those naps, they're often up later at night and that's fine. And I never had children who went to bed at 7 o'clock at night. It just didn't happen. This is another thing then, isn't it? Bedtimes and whatnot, it's a culturally Ooh. driven thing, the idea that they need to be in bed by a certain time, whereas it really um, varies very much from kid to kid and family to family, depending on what your routines in life look like, what your mornings look like, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. but knowing that there's no hard and fast to any of this stuff. No, and I mean we we sleep when we're tired, and we have some of us are night people. I mean, I'm more of a night person, and not really a morning person. And I would think that you know, if I could have a child that actually slept till seven, or I actually talked my toddler's number eight on the clock, oh. so that you know, if I was in bed feeding a baby and snoozing. And they would go, it's number eight, mum, it's number eight, because number eight was a very easy number. It was two circles. And I would have a box of books next to the bed, you know, kids' books. So they could hop in and they could read their books and stuff in the morning. But, you know, it was number eight. And then as they got bigger, I would leave, you know, drinks and things for them. But mm-hmm. they would they would know it's number eight, you know, mum's in bed with the baby getting up. Um, yeah, and just, and I guess, look, I was very, very lucky I'd, I did nursing work at the weekends, but I was very lucky that I didn't have to, you know, get up in the morning and race off to work. Makes a big difference also. Now, I'm just looking at the time. We're going to have to finish up, but I was wondering, do you have a tip that you'd like to share for this episode for families? What do you wish you could tell someone? That it's okay. You've got nothing to prove. You know, it's okay to do you. If if you can't manage everything in a day, it's all going to be there waiting for you when you get back to it. You know, we, we really need to dump some of this pressure. And I guess that everybody needs to know that it is hard. I think sometimes we look at other people and think that they've got things very easy or even our own mothers. I had a chat yesterday with a lady in a shop and we were talking about how she said, do you think we made mothering look easy for our kids so their expectations aren't real? Because we were lucky enough, you know, to generally be home with those children you know because I mean if you've got to go to work you can't have a nap during the day there's it's just not on and if you've got older children you can't nap during the day either because they could be in the house down when you're doing it but you know just that it is hard so give yourself some grace because you are going to slip up you're going to feel ratty you're going to feel tired crabby you know lack of sleep does that to you but 
you have nothing to prove. So if you just want to go and have a nap when you have a nap, when your baby has a nap, it's okay. And if you lie down with them, as long as you've got a safe space, that's perfectly okay too. Because just because things are hard, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. And I think that's something. No, I think that's, people sometimes that's really get that important feeling. No, that it's it's it is hard, and it's harder at the moment without that community around um, you. Because if you can have real life community, it's so much easier. Not that anyone's helping you. You know, you don't need that physical help. You just need to know that you're okay and be affirmed that. Yes, my kid wakes up too. And yes, I'm tired. You don't need advice. You just need to know that, yes, it's, you know, I'm so sorry you feel tired or, gee, you're really, it's really hard for you right now. Just a bit of empathy. You don't need to, you just need to be acknowledged. You don't necessarily need someone to come and do things for you or you don't need to put your kids somewhere minded by someone else or anything, which you can't do at the moment anyway. And it don't. I don't know if you've got help that can be in, on hand, accept it as well. That's the thing too. It's no sign mm. of, we were never meant to do it alone in the first place. So no, having, no. Um, finding that you thrive more parenting your children with support, that's that happens for a reason. It's not because you weren't exactly. coping on your own. You're meant no. to have support. That's meant to be part and parcel so that you can also meet your own needs as well. So it's at the moment when lots of people can't. Yeah, there's yeah. such a big push to be coping and to be independently coping. And, you know, a lot of people blame social media, but way back in the 50s, there were, I remember watching as a kid, watching, what was it, Leave it to Beaver, and the mothers always had their high heels on and their beautiful mm. dresses and their hair all done while they were, you know, being homemakers. And so that must have been, you know, there's always been this pressure of whoever the perfect mother is. And I think there's no perfect. There's only you. And you're doing mm. the best you can and we're all just doing the best we can and there's whatever you're seeing on the surface guaranteed there's a whole lot more detail and mess beneath there's um, tears but, and details and yeah. you know, everywhere somewhere <laughs> and there's beauty amongst it as well it doesn't have to be picture perfect to be precious time with your family but you also don't need to enjoy every minute of it for that to be the mm. case either and if you are up at night one thing that used to help me if I was up at night I would think that out there there were other mothers all over the world with perhaps with their lights on too or maybe if I didn't turn the light on but I used to just think I remember thinking like we were sisters in the night I love the idea of that. And there's that beautiful meme from Common Wild where there's all the different households all around when you're feeling so alone. The little lights. Yeah, I actually wrote up. an article. I've got to find it somewhere because we didn't have computers, but I think it's in a scrapbook somewhere. I actually just wrote an article called Sisters in the Night when my kids were oh. little. Which... Oh, I love the idea of that. Yes, please find it and make sure you share it with us when you do. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to say thank you very much, Pinky, because we're going to wrap the episode up. But thank you so much for sharing your thank story. You. I think there's a whole lot of value in people hearing how people have come full cycle and that there's such fear sometimes in that you're living in a time warp, but really time passes. It doesn't wait for anyone. And um, one day it you'll passes, be having... But it transfers back and forwards because I have a grandson who um, my son and daughter-in-law put a... Sorry to push you a bit further, but they had put an extension on their house. So they moved from their bedroom next to the kids up to the other end of the house. And my granddaughter... Um, boards from Monday to Friday at the school that she's at and so of course little Bob was on his own in his bedroom while he 
crept up into Jonathan Jack's bedroom, tops and tails. He just jumps into bed up there. You know, this is this is a 10-year-old just for a dag. And he saw a spider and Jack is laughing saying, he saw a spider about three months ago. I don't know how big that spider was, but they'd started to call him Uncle Joe, you know, from Charlie and the Chocolate. <laughs> Grandpa Joe from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> so plug it in the end of the bed. I love it. Yeah. No, that's gorgeous. And I think that's also like I love the idea that when my my kids get to teens, if they uh, have worries in the night, that they still feel like they can come to mum and dad and not lay there on their own. Um, so I feel like that's something that I, I hope they always know that will be well, there. Something that I found my kids as teens would do if I walked past my bedroom and they were lying on our bed during the daytime, they just, it was like they went back to that place where they had had comfort as young children. And instead of lying on their own beds, they'd be lying on our bed. And I knew that I needed to go and sit with them and see what was going on. So thank yeah. you so much, Pinky. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I hope everybody really enjoys listening to this episode. Uh, and if you've got any extra information you'd like to hear about, um, I'll be dropping some links to Pinky's books in our show notes so that you can read more if you'd like to read more. Where else can we find you, Pinky? I've got a Facebook page. I've got an Instagram page. Um, yeah. I've, oh, we've actually started a YouTube channel. Um, it's under Booby Foods because I also have, um, you know, foods for breastfeeding mums. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a YouTube channel with lots of little tips. But if you go onto my Instagram, there's little videos or on my Facebook page. Yeah, just keep on sharing. Brilliant. Support, I'll add all of really. those. But I'll my add books, those links. say... Yeah, I've got books and I've got recorded interviews there, you know, but I'd say the books are probably something you can dig in and out of. This is my favourite one of your books. I wish I'd read this book first ahead of all other of the crap that I read around baby sleep if I just picked that one up. But no, that one came to me much later, unfortunately, um, but I recommend it to everybody who's having babies and I have bought looking like a baby yeah. yeah sleeping like a baby I have I have um my sister-in-law's yeah I'm just realizing it's a podcast so I'm holding up a picture of the book it's sleeping like a baby um <laughs> and yeah it's it's like the book that I've given to many friends and family who are having their first babies as their baby shower gifts um, because I just, oh, if people are going to have books on their shelves, I know that might not read it in that lead up, but, you know, if they're having a struggle just to know that that might be the book that they pick up and go, oh, actually, and they get the reassurance that they they need and deserve. Um, that's and they're also on Audible as well. My books are also available on Audible. So that makes it much easier. You know, you can pop your earplugs in and listen. Certainly. I love it. You're doing whatever. Yeah, range of formats. But thank you very much. And uh, thank you for being able to be the strong voice that so many of us needed when we were doubting ourselves. Thank you, Pinky. Thank you for having me. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. The information we discussed was just that, information only. It is not specific advice. If you take any action following something you've heard from our show today, it is important to make sure you get professional advice about your unique situation before you proceed, whether that advice be legal, financial, accounting, medical, or any other advice. Please reach out to me if you do have any questions or if there's a topic you'd really like us to be covering. And if you know somebody who'd really benefit from listening to our podcast, please be sure to pass our name along. 
Also check out our free peer support group, the Beyond Sleep Training Project and our wonderful website, www.littlesparklers.org. If you'd like even more from the show, you can join us as a patron on Patreon and you can find a link for that in our show notes. If listening is not really your jam, we also make sure we put full episode transcripts on our Little Sparklers website for you to also enjoy and fully captioned YouTube videos as well on our Little Sparklers channel. So thanks again for listening today. We really enjoy bringing this podcast to you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.